Thank you again for connecting with today's The Reframe Brain Podcast episode. This is Erica Savage, the founder and host, extending a personal invitation for you to join our community where you can receive my five best brain health tips and a playlist curated with you in mind. Please go to thereframedbrain.com. Thank you again and be well. Well, happy Monday and welcome to The Reframe Brain Podcast, where we center brain health and unseen injuries. I am your founder and host, Erica Savage, and it's so excellent to have you here with us today. If you're watching us by YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Would ask that you would hit that subscribe button. We love to make sure that our community is expanding and also the notification bells so you can be alerted when the Reframe Brain the Reframe Brain podcast drops every first and third Monday of every month. Additionally, if you may happen to be listening to us by one of these select podcast platforms, we've had Apple, uh, Google, Amazon Music, Podcast Addicts, the list goes on. Thank you so much for being a listener. And if you would, please, I haven't asked of you, please drop us a review. That also helps to expand our audience as well. And so it has been a wonderful, wonderful ride here on the Reframe Brain. We've had wonderful guests. And of course, this particular Monday is no different. And so let's go ahead and get our next guest introduced to the Reframe Brain podcast community. Uh, We're going to be talking to um, a wonderful, wonderful being. He was born into a Marine Corps family in the DMV, right here in the DMV. Um, And later, and that's by way of Bethesda, Maryland, and his family then relocated to Albany, Georgia. While in Albany, he attended Catholic school, and then went on to move into high school, where he uh, was a part and a member of an inaugural Marine Corps Junior ROTC program. Upon his graduation, and like the next day after, he became a member of of the Army, where he lived and was stationed in Germany, Kosovo, Georgia, Iraq, and Fort Benning, Georgia, which is Columbus, Georgia. Um, He, after that time, fast forward, married his best friend of 20 years. How spectacular is that? And we're going to kind of fill in a little bit more about the one and only my great friend, Ron Simmons, who is an Army combat veteran and a PTSD and MS champion. Welcome, Ron. So good to have you. It's great to be here. Reframe Brain family. How are you guys doing today? Um, I look forward to this. I'm very excited to be here with Erica. Uh, She's an amazing human being. Um, But that's it for right now. Thank you. (laughs) As you are as well. And I want to say to the Reframe Brain podcast family, this uh, actually is taking place a couple of days before Ron's birthday. So happy early birthday to you. It's always good to get to know people a little bit more about them. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that and happy early birthday to you, Ron. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Absolutely. So we're gonna get into it um, and wanna start off by getting to know you a little bit more and talk about, so you came from a Marine Corps family. That's what you and I have in common. Uh, we also have in common that we're veterans. You um, definitely uh, served uh, proudly. You were stationed in some areas that some people only hear about um, on the news. Um, 
And so definitely want to thank you for your service, Ron, especially since we know by way of your bio and by way of your introductory uh, introduction that you are um, a veteran that is an elite veteran, as I would say. You served in time of theater, time of combat. So before we get into that, talk about your decision that moved you into deciding to pursue the military as a career. Well, there was really no other choice in my mind. Uh, my dad spent 22 years in the Marine Corps. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see anything else for myself other than the Marine Corps, but uh, being a stubborn teenager that I was, my dad made me upset one day and I said, let me go talk to the Army recruiter. Um, so that's how that took place. Um, my uncles um, that are in the Marine Corps, retired Marine Corps now, uh, they still say I'm a Marine, but that's, that's only by virtue, I guess. Uh, my mom is also a civilian Marine. She did 26 years as a civil servant for the United States Marine Corps and an amazing, amazing career. Um, but I, I really am uh, proud of their service and for them sacrificing their time uh, with their family. Uh, it, it, it was just an amazing journey. Uh, spending time at 8th and I, uh, and also I want to plug that, 8th uh, and I, they're doing their Friday night parades now. It's the summer. Um, so if you or your friends up there in the DMV would like uh, to go and witness those elite Marines uh, with their musicianship and their silent drill platoon there, um, it's amazing. All you have to do is contact the barracks and they will get you a ticket. And um, you can see that. Thank you so much for informing that. And also thank your mom for your service. I love that the Marine Corps does fold people in that do serve as civilian, as civilian Marines. And that is a real term. Um, that is a real identifier. And that Marines are um, a small branch in terms of the number of people that are in, so to speak, but definitely do both. That They do things in a very lean way. And when I think about professionalism, when I think about um, being the first to go, I always think about the Marine Corps. So it sounds like you were really informed to make your decision because that's the environment that nurtured you. Um, so that's, that's always interesting to hear and gives us a little backdrop. Um, as we talked about in, in your bio, we were informed about all of the different countries that you spent time in, that you lived in or were stationed in, um, as we would say, um, in the military. And as a member, um, you spent time in combat or in theater, as we would say. Um, and you uh, also um, have some things that you want to share with us around those experiences. So if you could please, Ron, um, walk us through when you began to notice how your experiences after being in combat after being in theater, um, how they began to manifest unseen injuries um, and how counseling and how other um, added pieces helped for you to be able to navigate those unseen injuries. Okay, so uh, my journey started in Germany um, after doing uh, training at Fort Leonard Wood 
both my AIT and my basic training was there. So, excuse me, I went to Germany and was in an aviation uh, support battalion in Ansbach, Germany. Um, it was a great experience as a young kid. I said I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, actually spent my 21st birthday there. Um, but what I will say is my experience started with a lot of bullying from one of my leadership. Um, and I think that kind of like turned the switch and I became really defensive. Um, but fast forward a couple of months, I met my mentor, uh, Chief uh, Daryl Simmons. He, to me, he was basically a godsend. Uh, I was getting into a lot of trouble via this bully because he had power. Um, so I would talk back because it was never ending. So when I got with uh, now Pastor Simmons, um, then Chief, he advised me that there was a, going to be a deployment to Kosovo, um, Camp Bond still to be exact. And if you go with me, I can turn your career around. Um, that's what he did. Um, he took me on this deployment. Yes, it was a combat environment. Um, it wasn't conventional combat. It was a lot of uh, insurgency is what we see today in Iraq and Afghanistan as well. Um, those operations are still going on. They're just not on the news, but um, a lot of insurgency. Um, so one of the things that we dealt with was people coming back to the camp and they would tell you some of the things that they experienced. And so the very next day you have to go out and experience those things as well. So you're already on high alert. And that's one of the things that contribute to my PTSD is being that, as they call it, hypervigilant. Um, so that's where it started. And I, and I, and I would say that that is uh, the beginning of my PTSD journey, because you know, an example would be for one of the villagers or something in Kosovo to try to stab you through the door with a spear or some makeshift object, or you know, that was that was just the beginning. Um, so after I completed that deployment, I came back. I was, I mean, I was promoted rapidly back to the original grade and beyond um, from all of the bullying and the acting out that I was doing as a young kid, uh, being demoted and being on extra duty. I was actually on extra duty the beginning of my deployment to Kosovo. Um, but like I said, my mentor, Chief uh, Daryl Simmons, and also um, at the time, uh, Sergeant Yolanda Hobson, who's now first sergeant, she should be retiring soon. I just reconnected with both of them over the last couple of years um, via social media, which is a great medium to reconnect with people. Um, they got me promoted so quickly, it kind of scared me um, because they believed in me and that they defended me against this one bully um, back in Germany by taking me to another country. Yes, it was dangerous where they took me, but they love me enough to do that for me and um, coach me up, uh, 
Chief Simmons even told me, hey, get out of the military. I'm about to retire. <laughs> Come stay with me in Atlanta. I was just like, bro, I got to do, I got to get this reenlistment done. And that's who reenlisted me, uh, Chief Daryl Simmons. And um, he got me a duty station closer to my son um, at Fort Benning, Georgia. So I get to Fort Benning. I mean, it was working out great. Uh, they have two sides to Fort Benning. One is the main post and there's nothing going on over there other than training. And then you have the other side, Kelly Hill. And I still had my deployment first ID patch on. It was the red color, big red one. And the guy that was in processing, he was like, oh, you don't want to go to Kelly Hill. They're always deploying. I was just like, so where do I go? He said, oh, I'll put you on main post. So that's what he did. And that was 2001. And 2001, we all know what happened in 2001. Saddam Hussein, again. Um, so immediately, we begin this prep work um, to get deployed. I mean, I'm like, oh, we're on the main post. We're not doing any deploying. Sure enough get sent out to NCC, which is the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California. And it became real, like, this is going to happen. We're going to war again. <laughs> so uh, we got done with the training, uh, get, on the, get on the plane to head to Iraq. Um, we're all trained up. I'm a combat lifesaver at the time. Uh, had my little couple of troops with me and as soon as we hit the tarmac in Kuwait people start hitting the ground we're doing IVs and I'm just like this is completely different from Kosovo because it's freezing sub zero temperatures uh in Kosovo so it's 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 I'm out of my element really am but you stick with your training stick with your training you do your job uh we're sitting around we're waiting and our commander, we were supposed to stay in Kuwait. I mean, that it was simple as that. Um, but somehow, uh, my commander was able to finagle our way into pushing forward into Iraq. And I think that that was another opportunity for me to question leadership. But I did. I. I took those young soldiers under my wing, um, even some NCOs that had been in the military for a long time and never been deployed. My section sergeant had been in 21 years and never saw combat, never been out of the country. He was stuck in the schoolhouse, as they say. He was, he was an instructor. And um, so it was a lot of, uh, I guess questionable professionalism. There's a lot of guys that have been in 20 years. They were dropping retirement packets in Kuwait, um, but that didn't that didn't stop um, what the mission was. So um, we finally got to Iraq to uh, TA Blood is what they call it. That's a tactical area uh, during the Iraq War, and that was the first time that I actually saw you know, combat in person, actually shooting, uh, not myself, but watching aircraft shooting at the enemy. Um, it wasn't insurgency engaging us like in Kosovo, 
where they were using primitive weapons to attack us. They were actually had, you know, AK-47s, possibly some weapons that we gave them, um, you know, but that's, that's how that began. But it was, a, honestly, was a really good deployment. Um, I went to a lot of memorials over there, um, a lot. Um, and later on in that first year, this is 2003, um, I was on, waiting on the tarmac for my Chinook to come. And for some reason, well, now I know it was God, uh, pulled myself and three other people off of that flight and bumped us for three other people that were supposed to retire and or return so that they could uh, see a child born. And, and this is where my counseling and everything really helped me. Um, that Chinook got shot down. So now, fast forward past that, they have memorials for those troops and everything. And um, it really bothered me. It really bothered me. One of the gentlemen was a staff sergeant. I used to walk past him every morning. Uh, he'd be magic shaving in the mirror. Uh, I, where we have, usually when you're on a deployment, they have makeshift stuff where you can shave. So that is true. If you ever saw Vietnam movies or anything like that, we do set up uh, makeshift sinks and mirrors and stuff for people to shave. Uh, also, if you see some of the Persian Gulf movies where they're shaving in the middle of the desert. But anyway, um, this guy used to run our MWR tip where our phone and computers were. Um, to this day, I think his last name was Jackson, but I do carry him with me. Um, even if I don't remember his name, I carry him with me. Um, but so I made it through that deployment and I got back to the States and just something was really different with me, um, which I would later find out was uh, quote unquote survivors, survivors guilt. Mm. Um, when you're physically pulled off an aircraft because it was supposed to be going home for two weeks and somebody else is going home for something greater than you, whether it was retirement or to see a child born, lose their life for a vacation. Um, for a long time, I wouldn't go on any type of vacation. I didn't want to enjoy life because of those, I want to say it was 22 people. And it's easy to find a Chinook shot down in Iraq. Um, I think it was, I want to say November um, 2003. But those are the types of what I call close calls uh, that led to a diagnosis or diagnoses of uh, PTSD, which is, which is really rare um, because when I first came back and I first went to the VA in Albany, Georgia, I was diagnosed with, um, what was it called? Uh, adjustment disorder. Like you, you just haven't gotten over getting out of the military. You just need to get out, get a career and all this kind of stuff. And you start talking to people and people that look like me yeah. with no diagnosis, 
for PTSD, though you're having nightmares, though you're having hypervigilance, you know, those types of things. But we all know, and if you don't know, we're seeing differently that we can handle pain beyond ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a proponent for people speaking up for themselves, advocating for themselves. But I mean, it's, it's hard when it seems like everyone is against you. Um, so that's when you turn to alternative treatments. Alcohol was the one for me. And, um, you know, it, it, oh, Simmons, he likes, he likes Jack Daniels. So celebration comes, Simmons wants Jack Daniels. Um, but that was definitely self-medicating. Uh, I, I didn't want to be around people at all, nah, and, but I had to keep moving. Um, everyone else's faith was caring. My mom's faith, my grandmother's faith, um, my dad's faith. Those three right there were really carrying me through the darkest times of my life. So once I got out, I immediately went to tech school and got my surgical tech certification. And that was very therapeutic for me. That accomplishment, uh, the kudos from the, the surgical staff at the hospitals where I did my clinicals, um, that, that really, really took the place of the, the ugliness that I was facing with Veterans Affairs to the point where okay, well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't need to go to counseling. Maybe if I just keep achieving, I can just continue to everything that I've been through. Um, and which, you know, that was a lie, but <laughs> you have to, uh, you have to seek therapy. I mean, that, that is one of the most powerful tools that we have because you can talk to a complete stranger that has heard things, mm -hmm. the same things that you're telling them, and they can tell you, hey, look, these are the possible ways for you to cope. These are the possible treatments that I can help you with, um, which in the beginning was the only treatment. There's no diagnosis. It's like, well, let me give you these meds, no formal counseling or anything. Mm -hmm. Just get on this medication. And I was just like, that's, you're not hearing me. Yeah. This was, the first time was in 2006. Get this medicine, come back and see me, tell me how it's doing. I'm like, that's not, that's not counseling. That's not treatment or anything. Um, but anyway, I got back up with a really good friend, my wife, Felicia, uh, an amazing person. She's been an amazing person. She's been with, with me as a best friend uh, throughout my entire military career, through the ups and downs of male relationships. She was always there when I landed at the airport. She was there saying, hey, hey, Ronnie, <laughs> welcome home. You know, she was just, if my mom was there, she was gonna be there. Anywhere I was in the world, 
she was going to contact my mom, get my phone number, check on me. Always checking on me. And I made to the I made it my point to be her daughter's godfather. That was my thing. You need anything, just let me know. I got it. Um, so it's just, it was really something that uh, that stayed with me. Um, this was, like I said, 20 years. And um, I, I asked her to marry me and on her birthday, February 14, 2018. And she's definitely my life partner and has been my life partner, partner before we said I do. And February 5th, 2015, November 2015, uh, well, excuse me, okay, skipping stuff. September 19, 2015, we got married. Um, so moving forward to November 2015, November 25th, 2015, I went for an examination for PTSD for service connection. Um, the gentleman was probably the nicest therapist I ever met. He didn't do treatment often, yeah. unless it was just like something special. Mm -hmm. But he diagnosed me on the spot and he said, I'm sorry. Wow. Um, he looked like he had just jumped off a of Harley. His ponytail was long, gray. He had all these rings on, skull rings on. He was just like, I'm sorry. You've been dealing with this for a long, long time. Very long time. And I'm going to bounce around because July 2015, I woke up and it was like I had had a stroke. It's all going to come back to me. Um, so I went to the VA. They referred me to a neurologist. And I did MRI, did test. Fast forward back to November 25th, 2015. I was riding back from that same appointment with that passionate VA doctor, or passionate and compassionate VA doctor, and got a phone call. And the neurologist told me that I had multiple sclerosis. That's not how he said it. He said, you have MS, very heavy in <laughs> accent and it was like MS like a mass he was like no multiple sclerosis so we I mean my wife and I we praise God the whole way home because of a mishearing because he could have easily been that I had a mass on my brain but multiple sclerosis to me and my wife at the same time it clicked this is something we could do now, mass, you're talking about, I mean, to me and my wife, we talked about it. A mass is something that can really change your life. And I, I'm truly thankful and blessed that uh, MS was the diagnosis. Now, with MS and PTSD, um, you need me to stop for anything. We good? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so MS and PTSD, uh, I know in the judicial system, they call it co-occurring. 
Um, I like that term because they're both happening at the same time. They neither one of them take time off unless you take medication. Um, but MS has cognitive uh, and behavioral uh, issues as well. Brain fog. You're talking about forgetting where your keys are and they're right there in your pocket or something like that. And on the other side of that, PTSD does the same exact thing. So you're dealing with two things that deal with the same thing, which is the brain. Yeah. And um, now with my MS, that deals with the rest of my body as well, with, with all of my nerves throughout my body there just going crazy all the time. You have uh, muscle spasms in places you didn't think you would have muscle spasms. Like my new one is my feet. Um, it feels like someone is dragging hairs all over my feet now. So, but it comes and goes. But MS, having MS and, and PTSD introduced me to my life formally really helped me out. And I couldn't have done that without seeking some type of treatment, um, whether it be counseling, whether it be physical therapy, uh, whether it be MRI. Uh, it's just, we, they have things, they have things that can really help you out, whether it be medication, whether it be uh, physical therapy. Sometimes you just, when it comes to MS, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. Uh, my wife is a sound. She's a sounding board for my PTSD, but also I have my battle buddies uh, that I was deployed with or stationed with that we communicate via social media. I have some that we exchange our new numbers and we talk. Um, yeah. uh, one of them is Anthony Morales. He does uh, the LDR podcast, uh, Loyalty, Duty, Respect. Um, and He's, he's a great advocate for veterans. If you just need motivation, this guy, um, and it's, it's LDR podcast on, on Facebook. Um, I think it's, you also can search any, anywhere podcasts are found, but this guy is, he's the same person he was when we met, which he forgot, met in Kosovo. I met he and his current and his wife now, uh, in Kosovo, and we both stationed in Germany and deployed there together. And we ended up being stationed together at Fort Benning and deploying to Iraq together. So it's, the army is really small when it comes to passing by uh, people and gaining more and more. But um, yeah. the back, back to Anthony, he's, he's a great human being. Um, he's, he's motivates, he points veterans in the right direction. Uh, to other podcasts that can help. I just, I try to surround myself with, with great and positive people, which is why um, when I came back across Erica that, and, and going through what she went through and being able to fight back and regain major parts of your life and still grinding to make the other things happen. Um, not everybody is able to do that. I was out of out of work for a year after that diagnosis, yeah. trying to figure out how do I pick my life back up? Because on the 25th of November, 
I was a retail store manager and I was told, don't go to that appointment. And I was like, I'm going, I've been waiting for 20 years to go to this appointment and it's never happened. Do what you need to do. So being a veteran, you have to make sacrifices because if you are a veteran, you know that the day could be going well and tonight you get a text message or email that says you have an appointment tomorrow or such and such issue. If you don't make it, it's not going to happen for you. Absolutely. So, and anybody on the other side of that screen that may be a veteran can definitely um, connect with that. You did mention a lot, starting from the bullying that you experienced early on in your career to really having people that um, were gifted to you to help shield, protect you, and move you to a space where they could definitely be helpful to you. Then moving on to um, the experiences that you had post-theater and um, engaging with therapy, which is something that you lifted. And I'm glad to hear that you lift that because those are things that we need. Sometimes it is medication and therapy, and sometimes it's therapy. There's nothing wrong with the combination as long as they're serving the person well and having the suite of services that you had to really get you to a place where you're, um, you're able to engage in a way that makes you feel more comfortable. So I really wanna um, pause and say, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for all that you have done um, while many people operated in a state of bliss um, and didn't have to make the level of sacrifices that you did and that you do have people connected to you that love you, that support you, and that you have tools that you're able to use to help you move through both of the diagnoses that you received that you so um, gracefully shared that are co-occurring. And the more that anyone knows about what their intelligent design, which is our body um, experiences, the better that we are. And so we're going to close out, but I would like for people to see your shirt that says MS It's all in my head and I got MRIs to prove it. What we are going to do is we're going to put in the show notes where people can um, get that shirt if they so desire to get that shirt. You don't have to necessarily have the diagnosis. Well, if you do wear that shirt, you do need the diagnosis. But if you know someone that has MS and Perhaps they need a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of a boost, because anyone that has a diagnosis doesn't mean that they still don't enjoy and participate in life. If you think that this is something that they would have that would um, make them feel seen, which is something that Veronica shared that is very important, we're going to have the name of that comedian who coined that phrase, um, who Ron is connected to in the show notes so you can get it. Um, Ron, let us know very quickly as we close out. And I want to, again, thank you so much for being a guest today as a person who is a community member as well of the Reframe Brain podcast. Let people know how they can get in touch with you, especially if there is a veteran out there who doesn't feel seen. They don't really know where to go next. They don't have an idea of how they can advocate for themselves, or they just want more information on how you, um, Ron, have been able to continue to move through and navigate the way that you have, how can people get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook at 
with uh, Ron Simmons. Um, I'll be the guy with the hoodie on that says uh, hip hop is bigger than the government. Um, <laughs> that, that sweatshirt today. So I won't change that picture. Um, I also have the same uh, picture on my Instagram, which is Ron underscore DX15 underscore MS Warrior. It's kind of long. Ron underscore DX15 underscore MS Warrior. Um, I'm I'm currently uh, working at a technical college, so I'm not in the disability benefit side of it now, but I'm very knowledgeable. Um, if you have questions or anything, reach out to my inbox on either one of those platforms. Um, and if we're moving forward or anything like that, I'll share my email with you. Um, so just reach out. I'm, I'm always on social media. Um, I, I'm not a troll, but I am because I like to show, you know, I like facts. And I like to straighten things out when it comes to the MS, to the MS and also the veterans groups. Uh, so I'm very well versed on those two subjects. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm an open book and um, I'm happy to help. Well, again, happy early birthday to you, Ron. Thank you so much for being so, being a warrior and thank you for being unapologetic and sharing around your experiences. And if you have heard anything in this podcast interview that you believe will be of help for you, remember Ron's Facebook and Instagram, also where you can get that powerful shirt will be in the show notes. So to you, I hope that you do feel seen today. And if you are a military veteran, um, there also are always resources in the show notes, particularly if you're having ideations, if you don't feel seen, if you feel alone. I am here to tell you, I want you to hear it from my voice. You are seen, you are loved. That is one of the underlining um, mantras of this podcast. And this is what we exist to do, to bring people forward um, that do advocate and um, do actually sometimes have to traverse through these unseen injuries. So please look in the show notes um, so that you can be connected with what you need. And remember on the Reframe Brain podcast, we do this work, we do this journey, one beautiful breath at a time. Until next time, have a magnificent rest of your day and week. Bye-bye. Thank you again for connecting with today's The Reframe Brain Podcast episode. This is Erica Savage, the founder and host, extending a personal invitation for you to join our community where you can receive my five best brain health tips and a playlist curated with you in mind please go to thereframedbrain.com. Thank you again and be well.